Welcome to Naturebacked podcast where I am talking with entrepreneurs and investors about the future of this planet. My name is Tarmo Virki and today my guest is Kunter Pauli who I met on the sidelines of Tallinn Green Tech Week in November 2023. Kunter is an author and entrepreneur who created the blue economy concept. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Naturebacked Kunter. You talk a lot about blue economy. What what is what did that inspiration came from? Well, the inspiration comes from a frustration The frustration is the green economy. I have been working like a crazy man to create and co-create uh, businesses that are the examples of the green economy. Until I realized that, uh, you know, after 30 years and more than a dozen projects, I realized that everything we do that is good for you, good for me, good for the environment, and so, so good for the investors, that everything we do has to be more expensive, requires more capital, has a higher OPEX, And I was wondering, why do we want people to pay more to get the same? I mean, and sometimes pay more to get less. So I felt that uh, this is ripe for a deep analysis. I mean, you need to have a question. You know, I'm, I'm trained by Jesuits, you know, so dialectics we love. We just say, you know, and what happens if? So what happens if we don't do a green economy anymore? Um, because we don't want uh, the model, the economic model anymore, where everything has to be cheap. Because I realized you're always more expensive because the guideline of being successful and competitive on the market is you're cheaper. So if you don't have the economy to scale, which obviously you don't have because you're green and new and starting and you know you have your raw materials, which are not the cheapest and not uh, doing any hedging programs either to get your prices level throughout the year, well, then you are fighting a battle you will lose. So I felt the green economy was going to lose because the market requires cheap products. And I said, how come it becomes cheap? And the result was that we have this concept of economies of scale, producing more of the same standardized. And... I looked around and I realized that there were more and more initiatives all around the world to have a local economy, local food. I mean, the amazing success of slow food in Italy, where today northern Italy earns more money with providing healthy local food to tourists who come and stay at the farm than fashion industry and the car industry. I mean, how is this possible that Piedmont becomes the hub of slow food, and makes it economically super attractive. Then I realized that Japan has a campaign that every single province of Japan, every single region, had to have its own unique product, which the rest of Japan would start buying and promoting. And, and it went on and on. So I realized that the concept of economy of scale may work fine for a car and for a television set. But for 90% of the products around the world, the consumer wants something different. For example, coffee. I mean, no one wants to have the same coffee for everyone all around the world. I mean, yeah. we know that the same happens with tea. There's no way we're going to have exactly the same tea for everyone. And I realized that there was there a great opportunity to create another type of economy. Coffee is not subjected to the lowest price ever. Actually, for a Lavazza or for an Espresso, we have huge price differences because we like it. Mm -hmm. So I realized the market 
wants diversity. And when there is diversity, you can include what I call complexity. What is the complexity? The complexity is that here is the new economy. The new economy is I have a cup of coffee. My cup of coffee has a lot of waste. What do I do with the waste? Well, I can use the waste to farm mushroom. Um, when you have a family of four, there is an offer to have five to ten kilos a month of fresh mushrooms. Well, would you like the mushroom? Yeah, because they're they're great taste. I mean, uh, uh, they're healthy, uh, zero cholesterol, no saturated fatty acids. Uh, uh, oh, well, we can do that at home. Yes. So there are today six thousand initiatives around the world where coffee waste is used to farm mushrooms. That is local economy. But what is happening? I come down to the basics. The basic is that the green economy, you've got to be cheap. You're not cheap, you're out of the market, or you ask your customers to pay more. The blue economy, I don't need to be the cheapest. I generate two revenues. I generate revenue on the coffee, and I generate revenue on the mushroom. The two together allows me to be cheaper in the mushrooms and in the coffee. I beat the system. And this is blue economy. Blue economy is saying, I do much more with what I have, I respond to the consumer demand to have a short connection between the farm and the folk or between my software and my app. You don't want to source it just globally. My game and what I'm playing with my buddies in a local language, in all in English. So what I see is this huge demand for having more value created to be master of the team that you bring together because the guy who is a mushroom farmer is not the same as the lady who does the mushrooms and so you need to bring teams together which means you have a collaborative economy that means that during the covid we realized people are requesting resilience people want resilience they don't want to depend on something that will never arrive from across the ocean and as a result the covid time really flipped the trend and blue economy is taking off like I could never imagine. Why blue? What's the branding logic? Well, you know, green was taken. Red doesn't sound like it's the right one. Gray, please no. But the sky is blue and the ocean is blue. And between the sky and the ocean, it's blue. Makes all, all the sense in the world. What are the kind of the best examples of this blue economy arising? I mean, you were talking about the kind of local farming and the, and the coffee waste, mushrooms, but any kind of great examples of the successful companies being born in this new economy? Or So one of the great examples may be Novamont. It's just been uh, sold uh, at uh, an incredible price, um, not to be disclosed. But Novamont was basically a company that wanted to dedicate to bioplastics. But... In a typical blue economy fashion, you have to use what you have. So you're not going to make bioplastics from corn, because the corn you don't have, you have to import from America or from Brazil. So uh, the search for the local materials in abundance arrived at the thistle. You know, this weed, this beautiful purple flower that is considered a weed. But it has an oil, and the oil can be converted into an acid. And if you combine that with an alcohol that can be fermented uh, from sugar beets uh, or from cellulose, then you have the bioplastics. Bioplastics is an example of how you can have a control of your raw material prices, a vertical integration of production from the farm where you remove the weeds and you make your oils, 
and turn it into a product that is purchased by 5,000 cities in Europe. Why do the cities buy it? Because they have a problem with compost. The compost in a plastic bag that is from a petrochemical source will give you a lousy type of compost for which no one is willing to pay. If, on the other hand, you have a compost that is being all the time associated with a bioplastic connection with food, then you have a pure compost which you can sell for tens of euros. The other one, you have to pay transport to get rid of it. As a result, your business model changes, you generate more value, and a weed which had to be destroyed by glyphosate, which is a total different debate, is now harvested and is allowed to actually put more carbon into the soil. As a result, you look at the whole system, and now you can start making a mathematical model. And you can say, and even on top of that, we could use an old-stranded petrochemical facility, like we have done. If you can use this old petrochemical facility, which had to operate at 850 degrees, but since we're bio, we're only using 180 degrees, we can have a much longer life. That means a stranded acid has a future. When you start putting all of that together, you generate so much value that you can go on a growth path and you can offer a product to the market which is competitive in performance, competitive in price. And what is our limiting factor? Limiting factor is basically our capacity to produce. So I think Novamont, after 29 years, uh, has become the largest uh, bioplastics company of Europe. Um, and it's still small compared to the petrochemicals. But to go from, let's say, about half a billion to the 5 billion to the 50 billion, now is the real time to use the logic of the bioeconomy, of the blue economy, in order to turn that into a trend on the market, which is uh, impossible to neglect. Mm. Uh, in the previous episode of Nature Bank, I had a Finnish company called Anifair which is basically using the byproduct of forestry companies, which was used in 1980s to grow uh, mushrooms to turn them into the mycoprotein yes. and make the animal food. Yes. Uh, there was two factors in Finland in 1980s making it. They were, both went bankrupt in early 1990s with a Finnish economic crisis. But these guys have now dug up the old scientists who created that and they have revitalized the whole thing and bringing those kind of the mushrooms grown on the yeah. waste of the forestry companies into their business again. You know, there is, I always use the example of the glass of water is not half full or half empty. The glass of water is always full with water and air. And I, the I, I thought the glass of water is always refillable. That's the key, yeah. key thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, refillable, but it should also be recyclable and more yes, than yes. that. But the, the, the challenge that we have is we don't see the air and we know we need it to breathe so when you look as an entrepreneur at the reality before you there are many things you see but you don't notice um, and and perhaps a second example of uh, a blue economy which has become a multi-billion dollar success is the invention of stone paper it's the very simple fact that when you're a mine and you have a gold mine then you have a ton of rock you crush very fine in granules of 3 micron and you just take out the gold. The other 999 kilos, 999 grams and all the milligrams along with it 
we throw away and creates asthma, respiratory problems. So 25 years ago, the scientists said that actually it is such fine dust, it behaves like a liquid and we can bind it with some of your bioplastics or any of the petrochemical plastics. Now comes the very important blue logic. You know, you work with what you have and you recognize what you don't have. Now, what does China not have? Water, drinking water. The world is drying out. So the Chinese have calculated that by shifting the paper, they're saving, first of all, hundreds of billions of tons of water over time, which means that they can release the water for producing food. But second, they're releasing millions of hectares of green desert, as it is called, forests where trees grow for seven years and extract all the nutrients and needing even irrigation and even needing nutrition to be added to grow so fast. And all of a sudden that land can be given back to nature or back to agriculture. And so I come back to the value generation. How much value can you generate with uh, a... A, a forest that is a green desert. Mm. And then the question is, how much value can we generate with a paper? And all of a sudden we realize that we can generate with one ton of paper a thousand dollars of income. Wow. And you save the water and, and you save the, the space for the land and it's recyclable forever because it's a pure mineral product. So how much more value are you generating? And another side note, and how independent did you get from the world market price of cellulose? Cellulose is $400 a ton, $600 a ton, $800 a ton. We know the cycle is up and down and yeah. companies are faced with a doubling or a halving of the price. When you are working with a mining company and it's mining dusts, you are free from the oscillations on the market. Mm. That's what makes the risk in investment lower. And we know investors, they have one very clear principle. Give me the risk profile. And what I can tell them is that it's a very new product, but the risk profile is low. And that is the reason why we've been able to mobilize the $4 billion in investment in these facilities and why other countries now, like Morocco and Nigeria, are deciding that they will give a license for mining, provided that all the waste is transformed into paper. So, surprise, Morocco has no water, no deserts, but their phosphate mines become the source of the production of paper. This is the new economy. That's the blue economy. A tremendous value. So the phosphate mines in Morocco, which are $8 billion in export revenues, will be complemented with another $8 billion of revenues from paper they use to import. Wow. This is the new opportunity. Wow. Quite amazing. Quite amazing. The, uh, looking forward, I mean, most people probably in this event still off, not even if they didn't listen to you, they will still be thinking about the green economy. How do you get the message through? How do you get them to actually think? Well, I have two simple ways of going forward. The first way is example, example, example. You know, just just keep on going. I, I, I can entertain you for a couple of weeks with uh, more than 200 cases that have been implemented. Mm -hmm. And the coffee case is only one, although it's 6,000 companies. Mm -hmm. So what I think the first is you need to have solid proof 
you are not an interesting pilot project. You're a proof of operations. You have a proof that you turn the small, little, great, uh, fantastic, uh, creative idea into something that can go to scale. So, first of all, proof that it can be done at scale. Second, I think we need to work on the long term. And the long term means that I have to work with the next generation. So, 50% of my time I spend with children. Um, Every single project that we have implemented has been translated into a fable, a children's story. Mm. And and the telling of the story, when a child listens uh, to the monkey that is making paper out of a out of the crushed rocks uh, that you know the child doesn't understand why we're not doing this and you know and, and mom and dad will be chased for days and weeks and months you know why are we doing this i mean why are you keeping going why you shouldn't have this paper we should have this because it is so obvious for anyone who has a little bit of sense of logic in this world that we should not have dust in the air to create asthma. I mean, exactly. we should not have that. But to turn that now into a new business that gives us more water and more space, for a child it is incomprehensible that anyone is debating this. And that is why I believe my greatest partners are the kids. And um, I'm very fortunate that uh, in Estonia there is an initiative uh, headed uh, by a foundation uh, whereby they are uh, translating fables into Estonian and bringing them to the schools. In China, it's in every school already. Because here comes another very important element. When you talk about environments, it's bad news. When you talk about investments, people think sustainability is expensive and risky. And the earn out is very long. On the other hand, when you have the cases that we have, we realize that it is a very good return, that the risks are low, and that it enthuses the kids. Children get enthusiastic and they're positive. And, you know, it's like when you listen to someone giving you all the logic and substantiation with statistics that were going in the wrong direction. But in order to get a diversion from that bad cause, you need to have people who believe in the future and people who have a track record to do it. And I think children are the ones who will force the parents to look for the positive. They're not all saying that I'm too young, I don't want to do anything. That is a small group. The majority of the children, I believe, are little entrepreneurs for the common good. and They want to move. The logic is clearly there in their minds, always. Well, it's been never been contaminated. Exactly. You know, my, you know, Piaget was the great pedagogue of Switzerland, and he said every scientist is a little, uh, every child is a little scientist. And I and said, every no, scientist no, no. is a little child too, right? Yes, and every child, but every child in the end is an entrepreneur, because a child doesn't make a plan in the morning. What am I going to do? I'm free today. A child has a clear idea, and if it doesn't have toys to play with, it'll even make the toys to play with. The beauty is that we need to keep that child alive in us. So, as an investor, as an entrepreneur, as a manager, we need to have that child that wants to explore and just move, not plan too long. I mean, 
I have uh, as a motto in our organization today that analysis leads to paralysis. If you are convinced and your heart is right and you have sufficient knowledge of the basis that is there, then you should go. For me, the most worrying word in any corporation is process. When the company grows into the level where people start to talk about processes, I understand I'm in the wrong place. Um, you know, I have made some bold decisions a few times, but one of the, the boldest decisions is that I prohibited the use of Excel spreadsheets in any of the projects we undertake. You cannot have an Excel spreadsheet. You cannot have simple addition, subtraction, multiplier and division. What we are imposing, everything has a transparency thanks to mathematical modeling. So everyone gets involved, everyone must learn mathematics. And the beauty is that actually many people are scared of mathematics uh, because they think it's not for them. But once they realize how, how much you can do and understand, and particularly when I teach mathematics to children and prove them that one plus one is five and sometimes even nine, and two multiplied by six could be 34. And, you know, then kids are very interested because we can demonstrate that with the multiplier effects and the feedback loops, non-linearity is how everything works. It's a bit of a frustration for investors. And for, and for the teachers of those kids <laughs> uh, when they go back to the classical school, right? Well, they, they should not go back to the classical school. They should stay out. Fair enough. Um, what's the biggest kind of... What, what you're looking for at the events like this? What's, you know, what will make you happy flying back home from here? Well... First of all, I'm not flying back home. I want to see some local companies that are doing great things. So I'm going to visit a mushroom company that is doing extraordinary work in the field of mushrooms, more than even I thought that could be done. So um, I'm here in the first place to learn. And so tomorrow we spend the day uh, visiting the mushrooms. They've changed the name. It was Chakra Mushrooms and no, now it's, it's called the uh, Shroomwell. Yes. Yeah, Mushroomwell, Shroomwell. So uh, I want to go and see. I want to okay. see on the field because this is what I want to do, is learn. I need to see those initiatives that attract capital, that have the signs, that seem to have an appeal on the market. I need to be face-to-face. -face. When everyone says there is a great initiative, I want to go see and meet. That's rule number one. Two, when I go back, I hope that the Baltic Sea, because we had today an extraordinary audience uh, of uh, mayors, deputy mayors, uh, directors of departments of cities, mainly from around the Baltic. And what I do hope is that they realize that one of the most polluting activities they maintain and subsidize are ferries. The ferry transport across the whole Baltic is dirty. It's, it's dirty. And I am proposing that they follow a great example of new designs of ships where you don't do the methanol like the Danes are proposing. You're not just doing a battery or a hybrid, but where you completely change the model of the business of the ferry. The ferry should not be a ship to transport cars. I mean, do we realize that the biggest thing we transport is cars? Millions of cars are being shipped around on a ferry. So diesel marries diesel or fuel marries the diesel. I think we need to transport people and goods. And our initial calculation is that around the Baltic, there are about 50 ports with ferries, 
half of them in Sweden, the Swedes have most of them, that we probably should go to 500 ports. We should go to 500 places so that we have ships that are very low in draft, can reach where the people could get on board and bring their goods with them. Because what I think is key for any historical appreciation and future application of the waters is the transport of people and goods. Mm -hmm. And it needs to go local. It doesn't need to go to the big ports, uh, to the big places, so that you can have more big hubs for big transports and trucks. So my main hope is that they will realize that there's a fantastic opportunity to relaunch mobility throughout the Pacific, throughout uh, the Baltic, but relaunch the mobility throughout the Baltic with a complete new business model, yeah. where the goal is not to transport the people or the cars, where the goal is to grow local economies. Beautiful thought. Uh, I was just explaining last week to a Chinese friend who's in uh, visiting Stockholm that what's the reason why he cannot jump on a boat and come to over to Saarema, the Estonian island. I was, I was trying to tell him it's just 30,000 people. There is no size logic. Nobody transports people on that route. Yeah, and this kind of, this kind of uh, challenges are there, but of course, if there would be 500 of them and focusing on the smaller people, it could make sense to some. So here, here is a very important thing. Everything that we feel is related to energy today is a constraint. So because we don't have the gas, we don't have the fuel, the prices is too high. So we feel constrained. When you are in a world of constraints, as an entrepreneur, this is your opportunity. So when you now have a ship that is much smaller, much lighter, that uses no more fuel, just like what we did with uh, the stone paper, we extract ourselves from the market of cellulose. What we did with the plastics is we extracted ourselves from the petrochemical raw materials. We are independent from it. We create our own supply chain that is free from the limitations if we can do the same and you generate your abundance of energy, as my ship has done, I've done it. I've gone around the world with hydrogen made from seawater and solar and kite and battery. I've done it. No one can tell me that this is a pipe dream. We've done it and I've demonstrated that we're cheaper than batteries and that we can operate for 100,000 kilometers nonstop. Mm because I have no fuel. Now, if I take the fuel out of the equation, not only am I carbon neutral and all of that, but when I take the fuel out of the equation, all of a sudden, I have extracted the major part of my OPEX. My operational expenses are cut and independent from world market speculations on petroleum or gas. That is where we need to go. Good point. Uh, I hope all our listeners will go come with us to, to there. And uh, thanks for listening and thanks for uh, all the chat, Kunta. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's great. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. 
ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.